Hey ladies, welcome to the Amazing Bible Dot Book Club. I'm Julie Callio, your host, and thank you so very much for tuning in with me today and taking time out of your busy schedules to do so. If by chance you want to contact me, you can do that at theab.bc.pc at gmail.com. All right, ladies, we need to keep in mind as we approach 2 Kings that it is a continuation of 1 Kings, and in the Hebrew Bible, they make one book called Kings, and it is in the section called Prophets of the Hebrew Bible. In the Christian Bible, we separate it into two separate books because of its size, and these are placed in the section of the Bible called Books of History. So, let's sing our Old Testament Books of the Bible song. Ready? Mm, let us sing the books of history, of history, of history. Let us sing the books of history, which tell of the Jews. First Joshua, second Judges, then the story of Ruth. Then first and second Samuel, and first and second Kings. Then first and second Chronicles, which give us the record. Then Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther, the Queen. The key word for 2 Kings is captivity because we see that due to their sin, the northern ten tribes will be taken captive by Assyria in 722 BC. Then later on, due to the sin of the southern two tribes of Judah, they will be taken into captivity and Jerusalem and the temple will be destroyed in 587 or 586 BC. Well, 1 Kings ends with Ahab and Jezebel's son, Ahaziah, king of Israel, of the northern ten tribes. But we learn he only reigns for two years. He's the one who did evil like his father and like his mother and his great-great-great-great-grandfather who all did evil in the eyes of the Lord, which caused Israel to sin. In 2 Kings verse 1, we see that after Ahab died, Moab rebelled against Israel. Moab was taken over by Israel to the extent that they paid taxes to them and tributes to them. This was a vassal agreement. By the way, I spelled it wrong before. Vassal is V-A-S-S-A-L. After Ahab died, the king of Moab refused to pay taxes anymore. And somehow it seemed that this news brought about Ahaziah's fall from his upper chamber. He was not doing well from that fall, so he sent messengers to go and inquire or to seek religious wisdom from Beelzebub. This is the god of Ekron. This was the god of the Philistines. But the messenger of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise and go to the messengers of the king of Samaria. Here his name is not mentioned, just his position. And say to them, Is it because Israel does not have a God that you go and inquire of the God of Ekron? Go tell the king that he will not get up from off his bed and he will surely die. The messengers went back and told him what, quote, the Lord said. He, not the king's name, not the word king, just he said, what manner of man was he that told you this? They described him as a hairy man with a girdle of leather around his loins. And he said, it is Elijah the Tishbite. Then the king, no name, 
sent 50 men with a captain to go get him. Elijah was on the top of a hill. They said, you, man of God, the king said, come down. And Elijah said, if I be a man of God, then let fire come down from heaven and consume you all. And it did. Again, he sent 50 men with a captain to fetch Elijah. These men died by fire from heaven too. He did it a third time. He sent 50 more men plus a captain. Now this time, the captain was smart. He fell on his knees before Elijah and pleaded unto him and said, O man of God, please spare my life and the life of these 50 men, your servants, and let our lives be precious in your sight. The messenger of the Lord said to Elijah, Go down with him and be not afraid of him. And he got up and he went down to the king. And Elijah said the exact same thing to the king as the messengers did the very first time. So he died according to the word of the Lord, which Elijah spoke. And Jehoram, his brother, reigned in his place because he had no son. Finally, in verse 18, we see his name. The rest of the acts of Ahaziah are written in the chronicles of the kings of Israel. Then in chapter 2, we see Elijah's ministry coming to an end. The Lord has seemed to make it clear that he will be taking Elijah up in a whirlwind. So Elijah and Elisha went from Samaria, the capital of Israel, down to Gilgal, the first worship place of Joshua and the 12 tribes when they entered the promised land. From Gilgal, they went to Bethel, another worship spot. Each time Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. And Elisha said, there is no way I'm leaving you. There were prophets at Bethel, the house of God. And they told Elisha, don't you know that the Lord has taken away your master today? And Elisha said, yes, I know, but hold your peace. In other words, he didn't want to hear it. Then they went to Jericho. Again, Elijah said, stay. And Elisha refused to leave him. The prophets at Jericho said, don't you know, the Lord's going to take him away today. And Elisha said, yes, I know. Hold your peace. Then the Lord sent Elijah across the Jordan. And again, Elisha refused to stay where he was, for he would not leave Elijah's side. Fifty of the prophets stood and watched as Elijah took his mantle, his priestly garment, and hit the waters of the Jordan River, and they divided, just like Moses and just like Joshua. And Elijah and Elisha walked over on dry ground. When they crossed over the river, Elijah asked, What shall I do for you before I am taken away from you? And Elisha asked for a double portion of Elijah's spirit upon him. Now keep in mind, the oldest son would receive a double portion of inheritance after the father died because of the responsibility of the family would now lay upon the oldest son's shoulders. Elijah said, that's a hard thing, but if you see me taken up, then it will happen. If not, then it won't. As they were walking and talking, Behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, and it parted the two friends. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven, and Elisha saw it. 
He cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. He took his clothes and he ripped them in mourning. Then he took Elijah's mantle, which had fallen to the ground, and he went back and stood at the Jordan River. He took Elijah's mantle and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And he hit the waters, and they parted, and Elisha walked over on dry ground. When the prophets of Jericho saw him do this miracle, they knew that Elijah's spirit now rests upon Elisha. They asked to send out 50 men to search for Elijah, just in case God set him down somewhere. And at first, Elisha said no, but they kept persisting. So he finally said yes, and they searched for three days, but they did not find him. And then Elisha basically said, I told you so. The men of Jericho, who knew that Elijah's spirit was now on Elisha, told Elisha that the water is bad here, so the land is barren. Elisha asked for a new container and salt. He went to the spring of water. He cast the salt on it and said, Thus saith the Lord, I have healed these waters, and there will no longer be death or barren land. And it was so. Then Elisha went back to Bethel, the house of God. Forty little children mocked him and said, Go up, you bald man. Go up, you bald man. Keep in mind, when they ridicule the prophet, they are also ridiculing God. He turned back, looked at them, and cursed them in the name of the Lord. And two mama bears came out of the woods and killed the kids. He then went to Mount Carmel and then back to Samaria. Taking a look at what this passage means to us, I first want to take you to the last passage of the Christian Old Testament. The book is Malachi, and the last few verses say this. It says, To remember the law of Moses, which the Lord commanded. And then the Lord says, Behold, I am going to send you Elijah the prophet before the great and terrible day of the Lord. He will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers so that I will not come and smite the land with a curse. Then the last book of the Old Testament, we turn the page, the first book of the New Testament, we have the genealogy of Jesus Christ. But before Jesus is born, his cousin is born. We see that in Luke chapter 1. The angel of the Lord spoke to Zacharias that he would have a son and his son would be great. He would be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will turn many of the children of Israel back to the Lord their God. He will call in the power of Elijah and turn hearts of fathers to children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just in order to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And his name will be John. We call him John the Baptist. Then in Matthew chapter 11, we see John the Baptist is imprisoned because of his preaching of sin. Jesus says of John, You went to see a prophet, and he's more than a prophet. Behold, it was written about him, and he will prepare the way for you. Then in verse 13 of chapter 11, Jesus says, For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, John himself is Elijah who was to come. 
John the Baptist is killed. And then in Matthew 17, we have the Mount of Transfiguration, where Moses, the law, and Elijah, the prophets, come and talk with Jesus, whose physical body becomes transformed to a glorious body. Peter, James, and John bow down to worship, and when they get back up, they only see Jesus. They were not to speak of this until the Son of Man has risen from the dead. The disciples asked, why then do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Jesus says, Elijah already came, and they did not recognize him. So also the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands too. Then the disciples understood that Jesus spoke of John the Baptist. John the Baptist paved the way for the people's hearts to be ready to accept Jesus. That great and terrible day is coming. For those who have confessed their sin and turned to Jesus as their Savior, it will be a great day. But to those who do not, it will be a terrible day. When we come to the Lord... As that third set of 50 men and captain came to Elijah, when we come to him by falling on our knees, pleading to the Lord, acknowledging that we are his servants, then our lives are precious in his sight and we are blessed. Then we are called to go out and bless others and to show and to share with them the good news of a God in heaven that loves them and is drawing them to himself. That's what Elijah did. He prepared the way for the Lord. So ladies, if we hear his voice today, let's not harden our hearts like King Ahaziah. Instead, let's be like the captain of that third group of 50 or Elijah or Elisha. And let's be women who obey. Until next time, and may the Lord richly bless you today. Bye.